everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just and the Suffering podcast, featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips, and I have a very, very, very full show for you guys today. Matt Rumek, who joined me back in this summer from RotoExperts.com, big fantasy football guy, he's back with us today for the full football experience. Matt and I are going to break down the big games and headlines from week 13 of the NFL season. Matt's going to give you some fantasy football advice. Fantasy football playoffs are here this week. If you made it, congratulations. Matt gave you some tips on how to win your league, what strategies you need to use, what you need to do with your waiver wire, all that good stuff. Also going to make some NFL picks. Week 14, show me the money. Coming off a 3-0 week this week, closing in on the challengers again. We'll try and take the lead this week. Be sure you stay tuned to the end of the show for this week's edition of the 2-Minute Drill, where I will tell you why House of Cards blew the end of their show. Literally destroyed the show with that last awful season. But first, we're going to begin with this week's opening tip, where I break down the big Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz blockbuster for the Mets, what it means for them going forward, all that coming up right after this. We have a winning mindset, and collectively, we believe that everything is possible and nothing is impossible. And it is that conviction that led us to this moment. Robinson Cano is one of the best second basemen in the history of the game. He immediately will impact the middle of our lineup and increase the run production in a meaningful and significant way. Edwin is the best closer in the game today. He will be the anchor of our bullpen and he will electrify our fan base. Most importantly, everyone should know that these two players are here to help us accomplish our goals of winning now and in the future. All right, welcome back to this week's opening tip. You heard, just heard the words of Brody Van Wagenen leading into it. The Mets, last week after I complained about them not making a big trade or doing anything aggressive, they decided to go aggressive to the extreme. <laughs> we have a big trade go down. The Mets get all-stars Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz and the Seattle Mariners. In return, the Mets send back the contracts of Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak, uh, reliever Gerson Batista, and the two most controversial parts of this trade, top prospects, former first-round picks, Jared Kelnick and Justin Dunn going to Seattle in this deal. I decided I didn't, this, this is too important a thing to talk about alone. I brought back the guy. We talked when Brody was hired. Now we're talking about Brody's first move. Will Schneiderhand's back with us. Will, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, so... When this trade first went down, what was your initial thought? Well, it kind of the, the the trade kind of gave us like three days to let it marinate, right? Like the, yeah. we heard rumors for so long, the yeah. physicals had to be uh, be done, the um, money, the money. And at first, you hear like Robinson Cano, and you're like, absolutely not, 36 <laughs> years old. But you know, it's funny. Like the more and more I've kind of thought about it, and I and I've I've thought more and more into it, I do like the move just because of what it signals. Yes, we are trying to win. Um, and you get Edwin Diaz, he's young. It's not like you've traded for two 30-year-olds. And I yeah. liked getting the money off the books. Swarzak and Bruce were just, they weren't doing anything. Yeah, that but, was a complete waste, those two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the prospects, I get it. I'm not honestly, done to me, I think you sell high on Dunn. Yeah. But, but yeah, Kalinic is one of those guys where it's like, oof. and I've seen some comps of yeah. Grady Sizemore and... Um, Mark Kotze, the other one I saw. Yeah, they're, um, like those are like, you know... Uh, you know, you see that you're like that would have been nice, but again, it, uh, we had mentioned it off the air. Like, 
prospect hugging, I'm kind of over it. I'm kind of done with saying, like, ah, this guy could be here. But, like, Kalenic was, like, five years away, so who knows what will look like then. So as as far as making this team better than it was yesterday, I'm on board with it. Yeah, the one issue I have with this trade is I feel like the assets are not utilized properly here, specifically yeah. Kalenic, just because of the whole idea that here. The analogy I made, I made it somewhere else recently. Let's say the Seattle Mariners, they're that kid that comes in the lunchroom. They have the bad sandwich no one wants, which yeah. is Robinson Cano's contract. And there's only two teams that were going to be able to get I that contract. Yankees and the Mets. Yeah, I agree Yan- with you. Yankees yes. had no interest in that trade. And the Mets did. And the Mets were right to ask for Diaz a sweetener, which they got. But I feel like Kalenic could have been held back probably i agree i agree actually I, I'm, I'm i'm right there with you it, like yeah a little secondary note like would i rather for sure because you're right it's like if you approach me and say please like take this contract off our books right yeah. that's what they're saying we then yeah I, i'm right there with you if i'm the mets van wagon and i say add diaz here we'll headline with done and maybe somebody else and that's it hang up the phone like you know the yankees were not trading uh like Estevan Florial, I think his name is. Like they no. weren't going to trade him, which I think is a fair comp to yeah. Kalenic, right? Yeah. So I, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, I, that's my main issue. I feel like Kalenic, if you didn't like him, could have been used for other trades. But that's another discussion. They've already made this choice. I know it's done. Yeah. There's nothing we can do about that now. But now this deal is done. I got some interesting takeaways. Did you see Brody's press conference today? Uh, I was at the gym, so I was kind of running and listening. I, I know it was really, it was really brief. I didn't listen like in super depth of what he was saying but from what it sounds like he kind of gave like a little pr show face this is this is the plan and so on yeah i got a couple interesting takeaways and i took some notes i was watching this live so number two interesting things came out of it number one brody has said that he wants to avoid like this whole idea of that this is the only move that yeah. was the thing that happened last year with jay bruce where yeah. bruce sort of came in and we're like okay what else are you doing and, and that was it that was it <laughs> they brought in a bunch of similar veterans and they end up getting what they paid for it's a bunch of garbage this year he's already said and robinson cano said in the press conference too is like brody told me there's more moves coming so that's the big takeaway is that they are going all in right now to win which yeah it's good. it's fantastic because how long have we been whining as Mets fans that, you know, like, can you guys just please pick a direction instead of just hanging in the middle, hoping everything goes right? No, yeah, I do like that. You're right. Like, the more I thought about it, I think about it now, too, yeah. It, it, the fact that he's telling, like, the players, too, right? Yep. Like, he's not just feeding it to the media. Yep. Um, I, I do think he's directed. I, what I did like about his – not to go on a tangent real quick, yep. but I did like about um, the presser was he was very forward. Like, yeah. it was very uniform where you could tell he was like, this isn't going to be it. Yeah, that's number one. Number two, this actually came from an interview afterwards with SNY Steve Gelbs. Yeah. He asked him a question about the, how the Mets are building a team, and Brody made a great point. He said, in the past, the Mets far too often have gone with this whole mentality of if player X stays healthy or if yeah. player Y breaks out from the minor leagues or if player C bounces back. He's like, I don't want to do that. I want to have quality depth on this team so that if one thing goes wrong, our whole season doesn't go down the tube, which I was like, thank you. Somebody finally gets this. And that's like the key, right? Like these Mm -hmm. past World Series teams, we've seen the Red Sox with super depth, the Dodgers super depth, Astros. It's just the next man up. And like with the Mets too often, that was TJ Rivera. (laughs) And even he was hurt last year. Or it's like Kevin Kazmarski. Oh, or, my or, gosh. Yeah. Who is the the kid? Uh, Reinheimer or Jack something? Jack Reinheimer. <laughs> yeah. They, they Hopefully we're past the day where they're the first call-up when somebody gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would be nice. Ty so, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Another encouraging thing came out of this presser today. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you heard, saw this. On Twitter, Anthony DeComo 
actually talked to Jeff Wilpon. Jeff Wilpon actually had some interesting things to say about the payroll. So I didn't hear this enough. So I, ha- I have this save for everybody. Right. I-, I have this right here. I'm going to put it right up for you. See what you think. No, no, it's absolutely opened up, and, and Brody understands the parameters that we're working within, the uh, trades, and obviously this one's almost, you know, pretty neutral in terms of dollars when you look at what we're getting back and and the salary re- relief, but also uh, the ability to do do other things with some of the insurance money and some of the other uh, arbitration or you know, obviously non-tendering uh, Pagan uh, or Pagan. I'm saying. Uh, Flores was uh, with some money as well, so he understands exactly where we are and what what the parameters are. You mentioned the insurance money. Do you plan to, in, in your mind, is that money that you will get or have got back on the insurance, reinvesting that? We in plan. Payroll? You don't go back at once necessarily, sure. but over time we plan to get that back, and, and some of that will go back to payroll, certainly. That's a first. They're actually going to spend the insurance money. Can I just first, just one thing. When's yeah. the last time Angel Pagan played on this team? Like 2010, right? Yeah. I don't know where Jeff was going well, with Angel Pagan. Well, they're not even the same, like, remotely alike. But, yeah, but um, yeah all, all aside, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. And it does kind of sound like he's more or less, like, saying, like, if you push the envelope enough, they'll pay. It seems like, like it sounds like Brody's got him right, like yeah. right where he wants him. Yeah, he sold him. He has a plan. Yeah. Can, so I guess Jeff's bought in the plan because he said you can spend money. That was half the battle, right, <laughs> yeah. with the general manager. Like you would have to come in and just convince him. I mean, who knows how he did it? How yeah. he finally broke him? But I mean, I I tell you, I'm optimistic, and it's dangerous as yeah. a Mets fan to feel like that. Yeah, because the one thing in a vacuum. This movie's not great. No, no. <laughs> but we know that there is more coming and that there will be more moves. So that's the positive because, in my opinion, let's we're gonna give, we give him the benefit of the doubt. He's actually willing to do things, which is more than Sandy was at the end. Sandy was very conservative with his move and is waiting to sign and see which over-the-hill player you can sign for value at the end of the free agency. Hail, sort of the Hail Met Mary thing. after Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not going to have any more off-seasons of Jay Bruce, Anthony Swarzak, Adrian Gonzalez, and all that crew. We're going to have, like, actual quality, talented players coming here. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with that. Because think about this for a second. Like, the money that they were wasting on Bruce and Swarzak is now turned into, basically, as a wise. They now get an all-star closer, age 24, who made, say, 57 games last year, and Robbie yeah. Cano, who is aging, yes, but he is, he's hit well on both sides of the suspension last year. Diaz is is pre-arbitration too, right? He's yeah. just in the renewal stage, so you you say what he gets more or less, right? I yeah. think that's how that works. And yeah, Cano, uh, you know, I've I've heard people say he's an old 36. I know he's played a lot of games, but I don't I I don't know if that's true. Like some I was listening to some shows where they said like, you know, prior to what everybody th- or you know, everybody thinks he's lost a step. He really hasn't as far as in the field. Yeah. And his bat's going to play, man. He could be 39 years old. It could be middle of February. He would roll out of bed and get a base hit. Yeah. Like I'm not worried about that part of it, the hitting. I'm just the money at the end of the deal gets me all worried. Yeah, well that's a discussion for future yeah. for future yeah. Brody. It's future Brody's problem. <laughs> yeah, we're not no yeah, not our our problem right now. <laughs> and they're actually well equipped to handle that because like like I've said before, they have no Nothing. money commitments beyond 2020 besides Cano. That's the only official contract on their books right now. So, so like with the David Wright contract, so that's it, now, it's done. Well, they're right now they're working on insurance settlement with him. They're trying to like pay get paid off, so he's off the forty man, and that doesn't count towards their payroll and anymore. Cespedes' contract is on ins- as an insurance policy too, right? Yes, and Jeff mentioned that I didn't cut that, I didn't play that because of time, but he basically yeah. said that they're obviously hoping to get Cespedes back sooner and have them collect the insurance. They will collect on that. Yeah. 
just curious. Yeah, I was just curious about that. So yeah, they, I mean, there's so many options right now. Yeah, it's 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 actually exciting because they have so many different things they yeah. can do. They're linked to so many guys. It's like interesting. and like if Cespedes, like I mean, I'm not banking on it. I'm at all like if he missed the whole year it wouldn't surprise me but imagine if somehow he gets healthy enough that he's back at some capacity by like august maybe yeah i mean that's a scary and you know there's a lot there's a lot that can happen by then i won't get i won't get ahead of myself yeah let's <laughs> touch on two things yep. no, number one do you think noah Syndergaard is gonna stay around and they're gonna trade him well you had told me this theory about flipping some prospects that way they would get for a kluber which does sell me on the idea but at the end of the day all, I just keep hearing like time after time they would have to be like blown away like and I just don't know what team's really gonna blow you away unless the Cubs called you up and said here's Chris Bryant call it a day or the Rockies said here's Nolan Arenado yeah and I just I just I can't imagine it he's just such he's so immersed in the fan base you know and I, that's never like a reason not to trade a guy but I still think there's a lot to it like if you traded him it's tough to say because I mean I was on the fence as I thought for a while they were gonna deal him just because of the whole like. Brody is his, was his agent, yeah. Bro, and there's a lot of smoke around his doors. I mean, Brody knows something that's moving in to make a trade. Uh, yeah, I like that idea, too, and that makes a lot of sense, yeah. you know? Like, maybe he knows Noah doesn't want to sit around for pennies, or he, he wants a big deal soon. So yeah. I definitely would agree with that. Yeah, it's a real tough call, but I do think he'll stick around. Yeah, and they said today that basically, and then he said this, and Jeff said they said that they had to be overwhelmed to trade him away. Yeah, just, yeah, and like he's, like, who's, you know, they're not trading no one there, Renato, and Chris Bryant's not going anywhere. And I think the whole thing today, the time it came today with Patrick Corbin, I watching also changed the equation a little bit because now like you need three very good starters yeah. to compete in this division. He's their third one. Oh yeah, this is this division went from a snooze fest to like a whale of a division in yeah. about forty eight hours. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if also if you saw this earlier today. It's just Mets are still in contact with the Marlins about Real Muto, and Tim Healy from Newsday tweeted that the Marlins want a major league ready young piece in a trade. Newsday, it's my spot for a intern. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, well, that's interesting. So one, there are not many pieces on the Mets who fit that definition because I don't think they can trade Nimmo or Conforto because they have no outfielders right now. You can't trade Conforto, yeah. The, the one I think that fits here is Rosario because you know, they have Jimenez. He's a year. He's about a year away from the major leagues. Yeah. I could see this being, and Brody's being very aggressive, so I could see him being willing to include Rosario with like a Dom Smith or like a David Peterson and like make that a sort of like a baseline package and send it to Miami for Real Muto while signing a guy like Jose Iglesias for one year to hold the fort. I do like how that's uh, you know I I still hold a lot of hope for Ahmed. Yeah. But at the same time Van Wagenen has no connection to him. He didn't draft or sign him. He didn't have, you know, he didn't bring him up. So I could see that for sure and I just really do like the idea of selling really high on Nimmo. Yeah. But it's like you said, like you would have to have another set. You would have to have a Pollock in the back burner or yeah. somebody like that that you would bring in. Heaven forbid Bryce Harper on the back burner. <laughs> uh, I wish, like yeah. I wish, but um, I, I, I personally, I have a tough time with Ahmed. I just think he's so young. I think he's gonna be so good. I for a real Muto. But again, again, it's the idea of winning now. So I do see, I do see where it's coming from. Um, but to be completely honest, I'm not that blown away with Real Muto. I do, I do know he's good. I, he's better than what the Mets have had. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I, I would rather spend on a guy like a like a Grandal if he takes a two to three year deal. I just think he's a switch hitter, plays def, you know, good defensive catcher. Not that Real Muto doesn't do either of those. He does, actually he doesn't switch it, obviously. But um, you know what I mean. I, I, I would rather divert the funds that way. 
you know, they're going to be a lot of fun at the winter meetings next week. I'll say that much. Oh, I am like, I'm ready for it. I, I hope it's not a dud. Let me tell you <laughs> that. I really hope this, I hope that some magic like gets conjured up and we get some crazy move. Yeah, well, definitely talking about that next week. Yep. Will, thanks for coming on. Before we, before we let you go, I want to let everybody know how to follow you on Twitter again. Yeah, uh, so it's um, at Will Schneiderhand, or no, at Will, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R-H-1 uh, for Twitter. Um, yep, I'm always posting, you know, what I think about stuff on sports and my articles. So, yeah, give me a follow and tell me what you think. And thanks for having me on, Mike. It's always It's always a blast. Not a problem. Hopefully we'll see what Brody's plan ends up being, and this ends up being an exciting year for the Mets. Yeah, let's hope. All right, that was Will Schneiderhand. We're talking about the big Robinson Cano trade for the New York Mets. Up next, Matt Rumack will join me for a very lengthy football breakdown, NFL Week 13, fantasy picks, all that coming up right after this. Crazy touchdowns also for the Chargers as Barry. Skies one to the 29-yard line. You got Desmond King. Desmond King is into Pittsburgh territory. Desmond King inside the 20, the 10, all the way for the touchdown. He's going to have a chance, but I tell you, Desmond King is really one of my favorite players on this team. He is a tough tough son of a gun all right and we're back on the just end the suffering podcast that call you just heard from al michaels and chris collins on Sunday night football the big punt return for the chargers when they came back to beat the steelers this week's football spectacular starts with the nfl week 13 headlines here with me today guy you heard from over the summer do some fancy football talk he's back with me today for a whole lot more football matt rumack back with us today matt how are you today I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having. Thanks for coming back on. Very much appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a, a wild season. I'm yeah. uh, happy to say I'm having success with my teams right now. Uh, maybe the Giants, that, that team, not so much, but my fantasy football teams. Uh, I've got three leagues. They're all in the playoffs. One's got a bye, so we're doing pretty well. Although uh, James Conner really not a good thing for for my uh, my one squad, but. Yeah, we'll get to the fantasy in just a bit. Let's start with some of the big headlines first. Obviously, the big takeaway from the weekend, the whole Kareem Hunt fiasco. The video comes out on Friday from TMZ. Shows him punching and kicking a woman in a hotel in February. Chiefs cut him immediately. But to me, there's some questions coming out of this, which is, to me, number one, how did the league not interview Kareem Hunt? He said on um, Sunday, yes, Man NFL count on Sunday, that he was not talked to by the league, and the league basically confirmed that. So what do you take away from that? Well, to be honest, I don't, I don't really understand because he spoke with about the, about it with the Chiefs, right? But he lied about it. So, if, yeah. there, if there was no video, then and he's lying about it, why would the NFL? If, if he downplayed the whole thing, why would they? If they knew what it was, they would have interviewed him. But if, did they have any knowledge? Yeah, from what I gather, it sounds like the least procedure, which is weird, is that they wanted to interview the victim first and then get a hold of Hunt. And they couldn't get a hold of the victim. They said, you know, we're, we're not going to bother interviewing Kareem Hunt, which I think is the wrong way to do this, especially in a league where you have a lot of domestic violence issues in this league. I mean, I guess if there was um, any, like, they should look into all incidents, but did they know that there was even an incident in the first place? Yeah, they were aware because, I mean, okay. there's definitely stuff going on. I mean, the Chiefs knew about it, so I'm assuming they informed the league. But, like, the, okay. other, the other thing that bothers me is, like, how did the Chiefs and the league not get this video at TMZ did? That's I, just that's mind boggling. I have to me. no I have no idea. I mean somebody 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 was, messed was up. Was that security footage? That was hotel security footage, which I don't understand because apparently the league asked for it and said no, but TMZ got their hands on it. So clearly they're doing something right that the league's not. Yeah, well 
clearly, as far as not interviewing him, uh, it's just another you know ethical breakdown in the NFL. What else is new? Um, just you know, guys like Kaepernick are, are kneeling and, and not getting a job, and now and you can you can kick a woman and you you yeah. have a job. Well, right now he doesn't, but everybody predicts that he'll be back, right? Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at the track record of these guys, Ray Rice is the obvious exception here because Ray Rice, after the sucker punch video, has ne- never played in the league again. But like, Yeah, but that was because he, I think if he was still playing well because he wasn't playing well anymore at that point, right? So. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the point. I mean, I feel like Kareem Hunt is 23. He won the rushing title last year. He was on his way to, like, another great performance this year. I Don't you feel like, you know, like, after this kind of passes over for, like, a while, let's say he gets suspended for, like, n- like 10 games next year. I mean, can't you, can you see somebody picking him up? Yeah, I mean he's it's it's only his second year in the league, so he's uh, as valuable as they come as far as like his age and his talent. Um, I'm I'm I was actually surprised that the Chiefs cut him. I get that it's like damage control and to save face and all that, but w- like why wouldn't they just let him take the suspension? Let the NFL deal with the heat and, and he gets his six games or whatever, and then he's back and everybody would like once if he serves punishment then. Everybody kind of like it's not that they forget about it, but the, the, at least there's just the people feel that justice was served if he gets the suspension. I mean, I like if I was the Chiefs, I wouldn't have cut him, like honestly, because you figure somebody, especially with the whole Ruben, Ruben Foster thing, right? Yeah, like somebody will get Kareem Hunt, Ruben Foster is not even good. <laughs> like Kareem Hunt's a, a Pro Bowl caliber player. Yeah, the problem with the with the difference between Ruben Foster and Kareem Hunt, Ruben Foster is no video. Whereas, like every as long as Kareem Hunt is on the Chiefs, they will be playing that video in the background. So the Chiefs, that's gonna be a massive distraction. Like, I understand why they did it. Always when there's a video, because because we live in a you know <laughs> this world that we live in. Like if we can't, it's only if it's caught on tape do we care. I mean, nobody. <laughs> yeah, you you need the Some, receipts, and the tape is the receipt in this case. Somebody can admit to something, and they don't yeah. care if there's not a video. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> you bring that up because like think about all these guys who have gotten second chance for doing like horrendous yeah, things like Adrian Peterson we, who we were talking about Hardy yeah. the other day right yeah Greg Hardy <laughs> who literally I looked this up the Cowboys signed him despite the fact he was arrested and convicted of domestic violence where he beat his girlfriend at the time and threw her on a pile of guns on his couch and said I'm gonna kill you the only reason he got off is because the it's victim not did not show up in court and the Cowboys said you know what we're gonna sign him and we're gonna fight his suspension for him so they got him for four not knocked down from 10 to 4 and then last year, Zeke Elliott, also a domestic violence issue, they were fighting at the league for the entire time because they wanted him on the field to try and win games. I feel like these teams just want to win at all costs. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Uh, at some point. Some point, probably, uh, some point, the common sense has to sit in here. Yeah, but, I mean, with Kareem Hunt, I mean, to be perfectly honest, though, like, as far, like, the what that video, like, it's terrible. It speaks for itself, but... It wasn't nearly as bad as all the things that you just listed. The Ray Rice video I thought was way worse. Uh, you know what people, at least in the news outlets I've been listening to, nobody ever brings up the Joe Mixon uh, video. Do you remember that? He literally yeah. clocked a girl as hard as he could. Like, like no regard <laughs> yeah. for her. Like, it didn't matter if it was a man. He would have knocked out a guy with that punch. And he just <laughs> and nobody ever talks about that. That was like two or three years ago. Yeah, football has a lot of issues with domestic violence. That whole discussion we can have for another day. Another big guy lost his job this weekend. Packer coach Mike McCarthy was fired after they found a way to lose the Arizona Cardinals at home and terrible rookie quarterback Josh Rosen. Now they're 4-7-1. and one. They blew my overpick on them. I'm pissed about that. That's a whole other issue we'll get to later. But Who, the Packers? Oh, yeah, yeah I, I, took the, I took them for real, with real money. Yeah, so that's even worse. So, like, what was your reaction to the Mike McCarthy firing? 
Um, I mean, I, like it was so frustrating. He was, he definitely deserves to lose his job. I just thought he should be able to finish the season. I'm with all the you know people. For, I mean, if they had done this in week six, I would have been fine with. It. What's the point in week thirteen going into week fourteen? The season when the season is now officially over. You, they know they're not going to make the playoffs, and now they fire him. Like they could have done it while the sink the the ship was sinking, but instead they did it after they're already underwater and it's over. Like what's the point? Like let him ride out his season. Like you know he won a Super Bowl with, with you. I understand if they're trying to make something of this season, but they're not. If it had happened a month, at least a month ago or more. I'll tell you what the point of this is and why they're firing him now. I feel like they have a guy on their list that they want to get a jump on right now because the Browns did this too. The Browns fired Hugh Jackson. They want to get a jump on the coaching search. And there's a lot of teams that be looking for coaches. You know the Jets are. The good possibility the Panthers will. Tampa's going to be looking for a coach. The Ravens are probably looking for a coach. If you have a guy that you want to get, get McCarthy out of the way. You know he's not coming back. And, you know, go get that guy. I could see being like you know like Lincoln arrived from Oklahoma. It could be a perfect fit for that team. Could they not search with McCarthy finishing the last four weeks? Is that against the uh, rules? It's against, not against the rules. It's bad optics. It's like sort of like how keeping Hunt is bad optics for the Chiefs. It's like this sort. It's not to that degree, but like it's bad optics. Looking for a coach while you still have one. They couldn't do it secretly. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they. I'm sure there are back channels being reached <laughs> out to, but they don't. I'm sure nothing's they, a secret these days. Now they can actually get on the book interviews going with people, so I'm sure that's something that's going to be happening. And let's go to the actual games of the weekend. Yeah, let's get some real football. We're talking. <laughs> yeah, enough of the domestic off the violence and getting fired. Let's yeah. go. Real football. Saints Cowboys over on th- last Thursday night. The, the Saints get a big <clears throat> loss in that game. Dallas huge victory. Big defensive effort. Big takeaway from that game for you is. I mean. It's a bit worrisome for the Saints because I feel like the Dallas Cowboys really laid the blueprint for how to beat them. The, the, the book is out. that Just get the pressure up the middle on Drew Brees. Get it right in his face because when, when you bring the pressure off the edges, he's able to just step right ahead of that and just maneuver. But he, but he can't bounce to the outside. He's too slow. He just he just would rather sit in the pocket and throw. And if you get up in his face, he's six feet. He can't. He's not going to be able to just – even if you don't actually hit him and you get your hands up in front of him, it really – uh, you know, messes up his game. That was hell of impressive from the Cowboys, too, because that team had won 10 in a row. They looked unbeatable at points, and the Cowboys just shut them down. That defense, I think, makes them the favorite to win the NFC East right now. Vegas probably killed on that game. Everybody had the Saints as strong the Cowboys, including myself. I'm part of everybody, right? Yeah. So that was, uh, I mean, the Cowboys are looking like, you know, they have a defense, and you can always do something with a defense. I mean, I don't definitely don't have them as the favorite, but. I wouldn't be surprised to see them actually maybe win a playoff game this year. I mean, like favorite for the division, not the favorite to actually go far in the playoffs. They could win a game maybe, but I mean, I don't see anybody getting past the Rams or Saints in the NFC. Like at yeah. least like anybody else besides those two, it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, who's beating Dallas in the NFC East right now? You have the Eagles, who are up and down. They've won two in a row somehow. I mean, the Redskins, who are down to Mark Sanchez at quarterback. I don't think it's, so. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, the, the Eagles and Cowboys play this week, right? It's the, yeah. that's it. It's that's that. It might not be the championship game, but those are the two teams, and they're playing each other. I mean, if if the Eagles win, then what? They're tied up at seven yeah. and six, right? So yeah, if the Cowboys win, that division's over because they will have swept them head to head. It would be a, a miracle if the Redskins. How are they going to win with Mark Sanchez? And yeah. like literally, who? Nobody. Jordan Reed is not Jordan Reed anymore. Mm-hmm. Jamison Crowder. I don't. Does he even play? Yeah. Uh, Josh Doxson's like the number one receiver. There's nobody out there. Adrian Peterson. I don't understand how he got that 90 yard run, but he got eight yards of the rest of the game. So like, he, like I, I mean that was a great run, but. He's not the same. Like he's still, he's not Adrian Peterson from five years ago. Yeah, he's a good complimentary guy now. But, but that team, he makes you wonder. 
They're able to pick up Ruben Foster on waivers, and yet they won't sign Colin Kaepernick when they're down to their third quarterback now. They won't bring him in to help save the season. I, I've asked this about – there's a million teams. Look at all the quarterbacks that we've seen play, Driscoll and – I don't know, like Tolzien with the Colts last year, whatever. Just a lot, all these scrub quarter. Every time there's another scrub quarterback, I, I ask why isn't why wouldn't wouldn't you rather have Kaepernick? But yeah. apparently, the bottom line would be affected if right if he if he joined yeah. any team. I guess otherwise, because <laughs> that's the only reason yeah. to not give him a tryout, right? Yeah. Speaking of scrub quarterbacks, get to my team for a minute here, the Jets. I like that game. The fact they lost that football game drove me insane just because I'm sitting there, I'm at the bar, I'm watching this game for a little bit. I get there, they're up 10 nothing because they had to pick six. McCown was so inept on offense that this team could not capitalize on a block punt and a great kick return, getting only three points out of those two opportunities. And then between the penalties and the stupid coaching, they just gave that game away. It's just I was, pathetic. I was in and out of that game, but I did see the last drive or two with all the penalties. That was unreal and yeah I mean for me as a Giants fan I was on the opposite end mm-hmm. whenever the Jets do something like that it gives, <clears throat> especially these days it gives me uh, joy that we're pro- maybe not the worst team in New York right mm-hmm. now but <laughs> but um, I mean it's all it's all pain and misery for both of us right now it's just been two lost seasons the yeah. Jets the Jets the Jets are gonna Jets unfortunately and I don't know at least you have a, a quarterback for the future I mean <laughs> he's gotta be played though the coach won't play him it's like I'm sitting there after the game, and Todd Bowles is like, well, you know, we could have played this yeah, week. Yeah. Like, he, he needed more reps. I'm like, you control the reps. You can give him the reps you want him to play. I heard that. I heard that he was healthy enough to play and that they'll probably play this week. But that's uh, – Do we know that, though? We haven't seen him practice yet. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting that they're sitting him down. I, 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 I My theory is this is a shadow benching, that they want – they think that he's going to learn more from McCown for a couple of weeks. I feel like that's the theory they're operating on right now. Yeah, and I, they're taking, letting him take his time I, coming back I feel that. like they're going to use the, the Josh Allen excuse because uh, Allen goes and gets hurt, comes back, and now he looks a lot better because he got to sit there for a month and watch the, the game from uh, behind a clipboard. Yeah, and speak, yeah, and I hope he's not learning from Josh McCown. Do you know how many offensive touchdowns they scored in three games with Josh McCown? Two. Offensive? Two yeah. in three games? Two in three games. Because they had one in the Bill game, like they did not have one against Tennessee, and they had one against the Patriots. And I'm expecting, and Dar- and Darnold's numbers were better than McCown across the board over that span. The Jets and Giants right now, they're one game different, but somehow, in this horrible season for both, I feel like the Jets have still sunk lower than the Giants. Like, yeah, they, they found a way. At times, with the offense has been that game against uh, the Dolphins when they had three points, like. It's like even at the Giants' worst games, they're still losing games. Whatever, twenty-three to seventeen, whatever. They're losing games by like three points or ten points. Like yeah, they're two kicks away from being six and six. The Giants. I I am a, I've, I've been <laughs> saying that actually the Giants are a five hundred team, like like, like masquerade. They're a four, four and eight team. That should be six and six at least. Yeah, like they're a five hundred team that's uh, like well, undercover well, yeah. as a terrible team. They're actually as good, I think, because they should have won the Eagles game. They should have won the Panthers game. Yeah. So yeah, like, literally two kicks. That's the difference in their one season kick right now. that was a fluke. Really, I mean, like just what you know, Graham Gano couldn't kick a forty yarder two weeks later. Like, come on. And a collapse <laughs> in the second half of the other game. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I think the but like in a way, it's a better thing because they'll just get better draft pick. Going you know being eight and eight gets you nowhere. Like it's not there wouldn't. Yeah, help. Maybe they get lucky and win the division, but they're not. You know, they're not ready to make a real any real noise. So it's a better thing for the Giants actually to to tank. I mean, I, I don't want them to. I, I got the over seven. So yeah, we'll we'll get, need a miracle. We'll get to them in a little bit. We'll talk about that later in the pick segment. But two games, four games, I want to get to really quickly. First, uh, Vikings Patriots. At all, 
no surprise at all to me that the Vikings finally lose this game and Kirk Cousins was mediocre again against good competition. Yeah, I, it's such a surprise that the Vikings, I mean, they have a better quarterback and they're worse this year yeah. than they were last year with Case Keenum. Uh, like uh, these games where you just thought you thought that game would be a shootout Vikings and Patriots yeah. Cousins versus Brady and it's a 24 to 10 game that was the final score right like yeah they just can't I don't know they just they can't seem to get it going I, like even Dalvin Cook coming back he's starting to look like more like his old self and it's not helping I, you I, know what I, the issue I think <laughs> is here they just can't yeah. sustain drives yeah I think the issue here is number one I think Last year when Sherman was the offensive coordinator there, I feel like they ran the ball a lot more. I feel now with Cousins there, they're trying to justify his contract by trying to come more of a passing offense. And even Mike Zimmer said, we need to run more, and they don't. And that's a big issue because I don't think he's like that kind of guy who can lead, chuck the ball 40, 50 times a game and win the game for you. I think he's got to be have a little more support there. That's a good point. I mean, he has a a top-tier running back. At least when Cook is, is right, he's you know definitely one of the best 10 running backs in the league, and he's not – and then he's got they got Latavius Murray, who's you know good backup. Yeah, like uh, the and a different type, you know, a more physical, bigger guy. It's like good to have the two different run styles. They they really should be a run first team when you think about it. But he's got Cousins and Thielens and Diggs, all these uh, shiny weapons, you know. Yeah, they want to be they want to be modern and throw the ball a lot more, and they'll, even though that's probably not suiting their style. Well. They're still alive, so we'll see if maybe they figure that out on their own. Yeah, they got a big game this week in Seattle. Last game I want to hit on, that Sunday nighter, we started the segment with listening to the Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth curl. What a comeback from the Chargers, man. That team looked dead and buried at halftime, and then they came back and shocked the Steelers. The Steelers are just such a disappointment over the last yeah. month, man. Like, yeah. It's crazy. They just cannot play a full game. They can't, like, they, they win some, they lose. They had that Jaguars game where they literally were awful for three and a half quarters. And they should have lost that game. <laughs> yeah, of course. They played terrible, and they pulled some miracle and won. And then it, they lose the last two games against the Broncos and uh, and the Chargers. <laughs> Chargers yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say about them because, honestly, there should be a lot better than they are. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to make the playoffs. It's all about if they get hot on week 18, 19, and 20. I, like, they – it's – yeah, just, get, just see how they – I mean, losing – hopefully James Conner will be back for the for them in, in a few weeks. I mean, it does – obviously it's not that important who's who's back there as, as Conner's shown. Yeah. But um, just – I'm not too worried about them. You just got to see how they're feeling in a few weeks. It's just going to be tough because they always have to go through Brady and now uh, Mahomes. So, yeah, real, real quick on the Chargers. Do you buy them as a big playoff threat now? They are 9-3. and three. They're on pace. They're not going to win the West unless they pass Kansas City. They have to go on the road for all three playoff games in all likelihood. Do you think they can get out of the AFC? I mean, the Chargers are that team that nobody will pick until they've already done it. So, yeah. like, I'm not going to be the guy who's like, yeah, it's the Chargers. Like, I look at the team and, like, they're good. Like, they could on any given day. I don't really see them getting by the Chiefs or the Patriots. Like, I don't see, like, any – real reason like their their defense isn't that great they're and they don't have some like juggernaut offense either they're good on both sides of the ball but you know they just look like they're regular 10 and 6 chargers that are gonna go the flame out of the playoffs i mean maybe maybe it's football you never know but i wouldn't pick them all right we'll, we'll come back take a little break right after this matt's gonna stick around talk some fantasy football help you get ready for the playoffs how to win your league right after this and almost got through it Wayne Gallman Jr. in for the first time today. They're going to let Odell Beckham Jr. look to throw it. He's done it once. He's got a man wide open. It's caught for the touchdown. The second touchdown pass of the year from Beckham. He hits Russell Shepard, and the Giants have the lead. 
And the game today is quarterback mobility, right? The ability to buy extra time and extend the play. Odell Beckham does exactly that. Keeps the play alive and then patiently waits for his receiver to come wide open on a coverage bust. All right, we're back here on the podcast. And Matt Rumack, that call you just heard from Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis on Fox. Odell Beckham throwing a touchdown pass. Helped my team get a big win in fantasy last week. Getting into the playoffs. Matt mentioned before that all three of his teams are in the playoffs, including one by. I went two for three in playoff teams. I have one team in the playoffs this week as a three seed, playing a six. The other one has the number one seed in my dynasty league. Have a bye. Looking forward to that. Matt, I'm glad you're here. We can deal with some strategies on how to help you win your league. Let's get into some stuff here. So first things first, we're recording on Tuesday. You have to make your waiver decisions. How are you managing your waiver priorities slash your 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 fab dollars if you're in one of those leagues? How are you handling that strategy? Well, the only move I am making, I have James Conner on one team, so I'm putting 100% of my money on Samuels. I have no other choice. I mean, like, maybe if you want, you can put 80% or whatever. I mean, I, at this point, if you see someone, like, there's not really – is there anybody else that's hot to pick up right now? Like, I think maybe if you want the right back for the 49ers, Jeff Wilson, because Matt Bree is already out this week. Okay. Um, but I think this is a spot where, like, you're a winner, go home. There's no next week if you lose. Right. So, like, if you, if you see somebody who can help you win, you go get that guy. Exactly. I'm putting 100% of my dollars. There's one guy. He's in first place. He probably doesn't need this guy, but I'm, I'm afraid that he'll just spend all his money to keep this guy off my roster maybe. Because he knows I have Connor. If he's smart, if he's smart, he'll spend all his money to stop me. There's only one guy that can stop me. He has more money. I put it all up there, so he's going to have to put 460 of his. He has like 600, and that was all I had. So, um, yeah, it's it's winner go home. So whatever you see, like, I mean, just waiver priority go as usual. Just see who you want and pick them up. Um, yeah, I feel like the defense strategy where, like, this is a strategy I've, I've used a couple of times where, like, Let's say I'm playing you in fantasy. I see that you have, like, you need a flex guy. I say, you know what, I'm going to grab the best flex guy so Matt can't have him. What do you think of that strategy? I've, I've done it. I mean, I have uh, definitely a lot of spots on, on one of my teams where I could, like, just throw away players and pick up two or three guys for sure. Um, although that's the one where I have uh, where you bid. So yeah. I'll be out of money if I get the guy I want. But, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, like, if there's a clear option, I mean, it's, I, don't, I can't think of any examples right now. But, like, a lot of times I feel like when there's, like, a tight end that goes out, because there's so few tight ends, you, and if there's, like, one or two guys that are, like, really worth picking up, then you go and you grab them and just keep them. Or you see something, some weakness that they have, and, and you, there's one clear-cut guy out there, then, yeah. Yeah. Another thing that's interesting in strategy here is the whole idea of starting your studs, which is something that a lot of the fancy experts preach that, you know, your team is your best guys and your best chance to win is with them in the lineup. And I understand that strategy. But I also see this point where, you know what, if you have somebody who has a clear matchup disadvantage, somebody who is playing a team with a good defense, or like let's say you have a quarterback with a bad line, they're playing the Bears in their pass rush, like, do you justify sitting that guy down knowing that maybe he goes off your bench, but if he has a terrible game in your lineup, you go home? I mean, only uh, only if you have another stud behind. It's tough. Like last week with the whole Diggs news, I was like, oh, should I throw in Corey Davis? And had I done that, I would have got five extra points because Diggs wasn't feeling right. But you know what? If Stefan Diggs is in the game, you have to play Stefan Diggs, right? I mean, like Corey Davis isn't going to go for 35 points. Like, I mean, I guess he did once maybe. But that's 
I I just can't I can't I can't get myself to do it. So I won't advise. If you have somebody that you waste you know you or not wasted but used a first, second, or third round pick on, or you know just somebody that's very very highly regarded in fantasy football, you gotta start him. Yeah, I feel like that strategy for me. I feel like that the, the best case to do that is like let's say like I'll give my team for example here. Like the team I'm playing this week, I have. Deshaun Watson and Ben Roethlisberger are quarterbacks, so they're both good options. I can, I think I've been playing matchups the whole season. Which whichever guy is the better matchup, I'm starting. So this week I'm starting Ben because well, he's playing Oakland. Quarterbacks is different. I mean, because they're all going to score. You know, I don't. Yeah, with quarterbacks, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to start Watson or uh, Trubisky right yeah. now. I'm very uh, stressed about that. First off, Trubisky has to get healthy, so there's that. But if he is and he's ready to go, uh, he's playing the Rams. Yeah. So, and Trubisky. Well, I was going to get into his. I'll get into his stats later. He's been killing it, yeah. <laughs> you know. Right? He's been better than Watson. Yeah. But I love Deshaun Watson, so I don't. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I think one area that people can get points in is something that people don't utilize enough because in, at this point in the fantasy season, let's be honest, like a lot of the impact guys are gone. The waiver wire is nothing except for the guys who are replacing injured guys, like your Jalen Samuels is this week. The value out there is in your defenses because defenses with the right matchups can win, get you a lot of points in this league. I feel like. You can stream defenses in the playoffs and win your way to to the championship if you get there with the right defenses. So, who are some defenses you would target right now off the wire? Well, I've been streaming defenses all year because after like week one or two, I brilliantly dropped the Bears defense. So <laughs> since then, I've been <laughs> I've been streaming in all my leagues. But um, are you talking about just to pick up? I was gonna, I, I did a whole thing. I got like the stud defenses. I mean the ones that yeah, are like, gonna, that are going to be owned and how they're looking, and then the ones that are like yeah. Let's look. Let's look at teams I, that are like I, closer I to the it, wire. I broke it down by like ownership. All right, closer to the wire. Yeah. Um, because obviously you have the Bears starting the Bears. Let's be honest. So yeah, I mean, but like the Bears are ninety eight percent owned. Yeah. So well, they're playing the Rams this week though. Yeah, that's would true. Would you start the Bears this week against the Rams? Like, other than that, they're fine. They're playing yeah. Green Bay and San Francisco, but with. Yeah, it depends on your options, really. Because that, that's just like, I let's, mean, I pretty much sit everybody against the Rams and Chiefs this year. Yeah, like, right. That's not that's not a, that's not how you win playing defenses against those teams, except for when they played each other and got like multiple defensive touchdowns. Yeah, but I don't think anybody started them that week. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, let's go to this, a few teams I marked in the middle of the road. We'll do Denver sixty-six in Yahoo leagues. I have them at sixty-six percent owned, so I feel like Denver should be. I have them on one team. They're playing at San Francisco, home against Cleveland, and at Oakland. Those are those are three pretty good matchups. Uh, yeah, <laughs> San Francisco and Oakland are awful, and Cleveland is coming off one of their worst weeks, probably the worst week of the year. That was an yep. absolutely awful week for for Baker Mayfield. So, if for some reason Denver's out there, definitely, de- I'd probably put them as my number one at least for teams that are under seventy percent owned. Yeah. Uh, the reemergence of Jacksonville. They're 58% owned. A lot of people have given up on them. I mean, they've been bad for a good reason. They've not been the same defense. But they're playing at Tennessee, home against Washington, and at Miami. That's a very um, favorable schedule. Right. They just shut out the Colts, so they're looking good again. They, I mean, zero points against the Colts. Like, who <laughs> who had that? Um, they got three pretty good matchups going forward. And uh, if you have them on your roster, I'd, it's tough to go anywhere else. And go. Why would you go to the wire, you know? Uh, then I've got New Orleans, 47% owned. They play the Bucks this week, which the Bucks are a good offense, but uh, as we all know, they make a lot of turnovers. Yeah. And uh, this is a revenge matchup. This is one of the only two teams that beat them, so yeah. I think they want to beat the crap out of the Bucks yeah. and really make them pay for that stupid week one loss. Um, 
with the exception of a negative two against the Rams a few weeks back, they put up 15, 9, 13, and 15, and 15 again in the last in those f- other five games, in five out of six games. And then they their schedule is uh, yeah, Tampa Bay at Carolina and the Steelers. Yeah, which you, you, wouldn't want, you wouldn't want them for that last game, but the first two you could definitely use them. Yeah, but they're home against the Steelers. And even letting up a lot of points is not that big a deal is if you get sacks which they get a lot of sacks and and, Tur- and turnovers yeah so and i don't know if you've been watching the steelers lately but they're prone to turnovers yeah <laughs> yeah i have one i don't know where they are on your list but the one i picked up in that league where i have the i have the bears in one league i'm not using them this week i picked the patriots up i don't know what their ownership level is right now but their playoff schedule is pretty favorable i mean they play they play miami this week and miami's not that good offensively and championship week they get the buffalo bills at home that's like the nirvana of like i've, I've been starting i've been starting the patriots on my in my one league for a while so i'm not sure if I, I i think i'm just gonna leave them in there i have to check double check on what's going on there but uh also from uh teams that are almost dead the redskins 36 percent. yeah they're playing the giants at home at jacksonville and at tennessee yeah, that, that could, you could sneak. They could be a sneaky play there what, if you have a top matchup. What's crazy that I noticed is that the Giants are the best offense of those three. Yeah, by yeah. a lot. I think yeah. Jacksonville and Tennessee, like lately, the way they've looked, I I would maybe sit them against the Giants and play them against Jacksonville and Tennessee. All right, let's and, c- and they're still technically alive. Like they're, they, they're we, in the hunt. We know they're dead, but they don't. You know, the yeah. guys in the locker room at six and six, they're looking. Oh, we're only one game back. They're, so they're going to be fighting the defensive fight. Yeah, for sure. Let's go to some teams like in terms of. If you have, let's go, it's, give me three teams that have favorable fantasy playoff schedules. So, like, three teams that, you ha- if you have their players, you are putting them in there every week when, if you can. Uh, I've got too many here. <laughs> but I'll just read from the top. i got the Bears. They're playing the Rams, so right, you, you love. I mean, there's not a lot of Bears. you got Tariq Cohen, who most people are going to start. Like if Trubisky's in, that's what that's the one main guy, right? Trubisky yeah. against the Rams looks like a good matchup. Then they play Green Bay and San Francisco. Green Bay's not not been great, and San Francisco's a mess. Uh, <clears throat> the Texans, I like their uh, playoff schedule. Yeah, their playoff schedule. They're playing Indianapolis, uh, the Jets, and Philly. All uh, beatable, right? And Philly's defense. Everybody talks about how they have no corners, but while everyone's talking about that, they're also letting up ninety-yard touchdowns to old running backs yeah <laughs> then you got baltimore they're playing kansas city tampa bay and the chargers those are all high scoring teams and not tampa bay is not known for defense although they somehow yeah baltimore well last week baltimore is tricky though because now they, they're off completely changed the large accent because now they're just basically running the tim tebow denver offense the thing about baltimore is there's what there's only one who, who are you playing from baltimore right now gus edwards maybe and that's it because if lamar jackson's gone you no one's putting flacco back in right and yeah and uh, John Brown and Crabtree are pretty much gone. Yeah, like, John Brown like, is useless now yeah. in fantasy because like and Crabtree, they have. Has anyone like had a, gotten any success out of either of them in in like two months? Like, I, I feel like Crabtree has more of a chance. He's more of a possession receiver. John Brown needs accurate throws down the field, which is not what Lamar Jackson is at this point. Yeah, uh, I would. I don't. Am I missing something? Why would they go back to Flacco? They won three they, games in a row. They're not going to. They're going to leave Lamar in there. Yeah, let's let's move on here. Let's go to the handcuff strategy of running backs, which we learned this week. Very valuable because you saw what happened in Pittsburgh with James Conner. The Jalen Samuels now be the number one pickup this week in fantasy. I have so to wait till tomorrow yeah. to figure out if I got him. Yeah, <laughs> and last week the whole Kareem Hunt situation. If you didn't have Spencer Ware, someone else in your league has him. Is not going to be starting him in the playoffs against you. So I heard they're going to go by like a three running back committee. So just forget forget the Kansas City running back. Start your other Chiefs. Start 
yeah Watkins and Tyree Hill Tyree Hill and Kelsey yeah. and Mahomes yeah but like let's say you're an owner like let's say you own Zeke Elliott you own Ty Gurley like if you do not have that handcuff already I think you need to go get that handcuff running back right now yeah well I'm regretting I didn't even think about it with Connor I was just rolling along I had Connor and Barkley and really AP is my backup so I don't I don't I'm not loving my backup so I I I don't understand why I didn't bother and what should I get Wayne Gallman to (laughs) yeah you (laughs) can think about it yeah I don't I don't like him it's if, if Barkley goes down, I'll just take a knee on the seat. <laughs> like, right? No, you got to try. I guess. I don't know. But I, I'm re- totally regretting not just having Jalen Sam. I could have got him for $0 a week ago, you know? <laughs> and now he goes down with four minutes left before the fantasy playoffs. Yeah. There were four minutes left. I had almost made it completely healthy. Yeah, that that's a tough one to take. I mean, that's I've had I have Connor in one of my leagues, but luckily I have depth in that league, so I'm gonna try and claim him. But if I don't get him, I will be able to live because I still have Dalvin Cook, I have Spencer Ware, and I have Carryon Johnson coming back from injury. So hopefully between the three of them, I can manage that position. Yeah. Well, I, AP will be. Well, if I I'm, I'm putting Samuels in, I'm not putting AP in. If I get Samuels, I'm putting him in. But if not, then AP is my backup. <laughs> All right. Last thing here. This is an interesting tactical question. Let's say I'm playing. Let's say you're playing me in fantasy in the playoffs. You have the lead with, like, let's say on, on Sunday night, my team is done. You have one guy left, and you are up by five points. Are you being that guy and pulling that guy from your lineup to your bench to ensure the victory? In my leagues, five points is, like, it's impossible to go back that far. But uh, whatever. Whatever it takes to win. Like, if, if it was, like, realistically, I don't do it unless it's a defense. Yeah. Because the defense is the only, like – common you know uh position that commonly goes negative uh if it's a player i just i don't even think about it like what if it's a quarterback that can throw a couple interceptions <laughs> i guess i would do it i've never been in that situation i've thought about like oh yeah would i but like you like there's no unless for some reason they're going to penalize you for doing it in your league like there's never i've never heard a rule like oh you have to play all your like the only like you have to play competitively like if you're trying to tank for someone before the playoffs or whatever and pulling all your players that's one thing but if you're pulling a player to try and win the game there's no rule against that so yeah do what you got to do to win i i would only personally do it if it was a defense definitely if i saw myself a point up and i have a defense in and they're done yeah i'm out of there i'm I'm taking the win what's why would you why would you bother if no one made a rule about it what can they do all right there you get me there you have it your fantasy strategies (laughs) for how to win your league good luck if you're in the playoffs this week Three more weeks to go in your fantasy season. Four for some of you guys who play week 17 for some stupid reason. I don't understand that. I never will. <laughs> because week 17 is like the vast wasteland of fantasy with all like the random backups like being, being league winners. Make it, they should make it not an option. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I get the argument that people say, oh, it's a week of real football you're leaving out there. But it's not always real football. It's always that chance that like you know the Rams have everything clinched and you're, and you're playing the backup quarterback and you're playing Malcolm Brown instead of Todd Gurley. That's not really winning the league. Yeah, it's a disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> All right, with that, we're going to go on to our NFL picks. Show me the money week 14 right after this. Show me the money. All right, we're back with Matt Rumack showing the money NFL picks week number 14. Matt is tall at the top of the show. He's a Giants fan. So before we get started, how did you become a Giant fan? The the sad thing is I don't have a real story about being a Giants fan. I could tell you about how I got into like sports and then I just evolved towards football. So when I was five, 
I was sitting there watching like a golf tournament with my dad, and it finished up, and a Knicks and a Bulls game came on. And this is uh, Michael Jordan was playing, but I didn't know anything about that. But it was Knicks and Bulls, and Jordan was in the game. The Knicks went went on and won 104 to 72. You can go and find this game, and go and look at this Bulls the Bulls season. That was the year they went 72 and 10, and of the 10 losses, the other nine were like. Two point five point losses. There was like the one game where the Bulls didn't show up that year, yep. and that was the first game I ever watched. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome! New York kicked Chicago's ass!" Like, let's <laughs> let's uh, you know. So I got into the Yankees and I got into uh, the Knicks. I, I got, but like football, it took a while. It took until I was like in high school, and I yeah. just like you know, football, like big games would be on in the house. Yeah. And then I guess around, I guess it was around when I went to high school, which is around when Eli Manning was drafted. That I started really getting into it. The Giants were turning. I don't know. They were they were right around the Super Bowl at that point. So you know, they were turning over a new leaf, and I was you know growing into a teenager, high school or whatever. So I like football would be on on Sundays, and all I got really into it. And yeah, here, here we are today, a couple Super Bowls later, and some horrible seasons afterwards. But yeah, this year's not going so well for them. But they did have a big win Sunday. They beat the Bears. Somehow survived blowing that ten point lead late in the game, and end up winning in overtime. Like. What was your big takeaway out of that game? Somehow survived. You mean somehow blew that game and then figured it out. But yeah, <laughs> um, I mean the big takeaway is the giant. Whatever they keep fighting, like they're far from perfect as they show time and time and time again. But they're playing hard and they're finally, you know, some of their talent is is finally starting to show itself both on defense and offense. Um, I think that. Uh, like I said, they should be a 500 team. They'll probably finish the season with about five or six wins, and and we'll try and build from there. There's yeah, I think they're going to end up with a lot more wins. People realize because like people, they've been three and one since they came back from the bye. They've been playing a lot better, and their schedule down the stretch is not terrible. I mean, they have the Redskins, who I think they're capable of beating this week. They have Tennessee, who we saw against the Jets is no world beater. They can and they're coming into MetLife, so they can definitely beat them. And you also have to look at here the Colts. Who knows? We're getting out of the Colts. And the cow and the Cowboys will probably lose too because the Cowboys have a lot more on the line that game than they do. But I can easily see them anyway with six, seven wins. Yeah, I mean, everybody knew the second half of the season was going to be the, like much easier than the first half. And had they came out of that first half with two or three wins, we might be talking about them in the division race. But they came out of it with one win. <laughs> yeah, that's why we are where we are, and that's also why we're wondering what's going to happen to Eli Manning next year. There's been a lot of speculation that whether he's going to stay, he's going to go. What do you think they're going to do with him? I think they're going to keep him. Really? I don't have a basis for why. I mean, like, the the reason would be to you draft another quarterback and you have them learn under Eli. I mean, you do the, the Rodgers and, and Favre thing. Yeah, even though, like, let's say playing Eli right now is putting them further back in the draft order. And, like, if they want to get, the, say, the kid from Oregon comes out, and, you know, maybe you're down picking it, like, seven or eight instead of one. Like, that's going to cost them a lot down the line. Uh yeah, I mean like they they they're not thinking about that, and is the is he good enough to go number one overall? I think honestly, just the fact that like and quarterbacks like is anybody even looking for a quarterback other than the Giants? Uh, well, Jacksonville, you could say probably will be because they're gonna be up high enough. <sighs> I can't believe they're so bad. They weren't supposed to have a worse record. <laughs> There's like a what was their over under like ten? They were pretty high. It was something above eight. I know that. I remember it was above like a winning record, and they're so they're back to being Jacksonville. That's so frustrating. The only team, everybody else has their quarterback, literally, right? 
Yeah, well, Miami too. Miami you sure they more. don't love Bortles? I mean, <laughs> he could turn it around still, right? <laughs> hey, we I know a Jaguar. I, like I said, I had Jaguar fan on the podcast, and she said she's not happy with Bortles anymore. So she's nobody not, is. Nobody is. But but all it, that doesn't matter. Their fans don't matter. It's about who the guys signing the checks. What do they think? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're done with him. I feel they're going to move on with him. I think him. they paid him a lot of money already, yeah. right? So yeah. <laughs> they might as well see it through. Now, if they're smart, they'll get another quarterback. I mean, so I just think I think I can see them. Get really, Will Greer, yeah. right? Yeah, well, we'll see what happens <laughs> in the draft. Giants playing the Redskins this week. Mark Sanchez coming back to MetLife. You think the Giants are going to win this game? Uh, yeah, definitely. They're playing, you know, Red, uh, a Mark Sanchez-led Redskins team. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. The the Redskins are it's it's over for them. The Giants like the they I mean, I said they'd play hard, I guess, on on the on the fantasy segment, but that doesn't mean that they they just don't have enough talent right now. Even their defense is, is starting to not look as good. They've let twenty eight points uh the other and then thirty one the week before, I think. Yeah. They're just they're falling apart. The Giants the Giants are rolling right now. If it weren't for that blown Eagles game, they'd be on a four game winning streak. So I think the Giants will keep rolling and, and win that game fairly easily, honestly. Okay, so that's that being said, before we get to the picks, we made over under bets in August before the season started. You want to check in and see how those are doing? Yeah, I think like I'm either like really good or really dead, right? In the ones I made. <laughs> okay, so let's recap here. Matt Rumack is over under bets. This is twenty dollars on the line, but people don't forget. He took the Patriots over eleven. They're nine and three. They have a pretty good schedule down the stretch. I think you're going to get that one. At least a push right what, yeah. nine and three so what they just have to go two and two for a push three and one yeah they're not. yeah they play they play a division in the pittsburgh that's their schedule the rest <laughs> of the way so i think they could win all three division games get you to 12 yeah there's no way i'm losing so it's a push or a win that's good i mean okay. unless something crazy happens yeah that's that's a good start they might lose to the dolphins man they always go down to miami and lose yeah that's <laughs> yeah that's i'm w- kind of worried about that one i have because i like i have the patriots defense starting i'm just i'm worried about the, them just not show. Oh, the, I think they're. Uh, I think they'll win. Yeah, Seahawks underrated. I think is going down. Uh, yeah. yeah, I took the Seahawks. What was it? Eight and a half or eight? Eight. Eight. Yeah. What are they at now? Seven and five. They're seven and five, and they still have to play Arizona. They're playing and, good. Mm-hmm. I, that was. That's it, probably gonna be a loss. That, that's mm-hmm. probably gonna be a loss. The Pete Carroll's doing a great job. I mean, it yeah. made it made a lot of sense at the time, but that team they've completely reinvented themselves as a running team and. And their defense has just reloaded and restocked, and the, the Legion of Boom is gone. But they're still a solid defensive team. Colt, you have the Colts over six and a half. They're yeah. at six and six right now. I think you're going to get that one. Hopefully, it's not the week where they play the Giants. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that one. I mean, I remember my entire basis was Andrew Luck can win you those games, and what has he been doing? Like they they still he, suck everywhere else, right? But Andrew Luck's on the team, so they're going to go seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven, whatever. Like yeah. Yeah, so that's that one. You have a win on the board. You have the Texans over eight and a half, and they won their ninth game this week. So that's one. You have one on the board. Let's go. So you also have a loss on the board. You took the Chiefs <laughs> under eight and a half points. It was probably the worst pick on here. Yeah, that's the worst pick ever. I mean, they were six. I, they were. I, I, I remember <laughs> being like, I gotta see it to believe it with Mahomes, and you know what can it? You know. I remember you famously said I'll, they uh, might go zero and six I'll, over their uh, first five ga- six games, I'll, and they went five and one. Yeah, I'll eat my crow on that one. The, <laughs> yeah. the Chiefs are the favorite in the AFC, if you ask yeah. me now. Yeah. So, and their last one, Ravens under eight, and they are seven and five. So that one, you're probably not getting that one either. 
You might get a push there if they tank down the stretch, but I think they have at least one they're going to win. Yeah, that's probably not good. I don't, you know, you really don't. I, I can't figure out the Ravens team anyway, so maybe I can see myself getting lucky and then like and getting the push or something, but, yeah. you know, the, it, that would be luck. They, they need to go, what, two, two and two when I lose? Yeah. Yeah, so. So what? How many how many picks do we do total? I'm gonna be like Six. two two and, and I think you're gonna I think it'd be three and three. Three and three. Yeah. All right. How are you doing? Not great. <laughs> Let's go here. So I'm gonna beat as, you. Or as what? A, yeah, probably. I I start at the top of the thing. I had the Packers over ten. That's already a loss because they're four seven and one. Not gonna get there. And yeah. The, and Mike McCarthy's out. I took the Cowboys under eight and a half points. It looked great until the Amari Cooper trade. And since then they've been on fire. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna get that one. No. Uh, maybe the, I think the Eagles might come in and win this week. Though. I need the Eagles to win this I week. The, I think the Eagles might, and they still could get it after that anyway. But because I have they play the Giants. I need them to <laughs> I need them to lose three games to get to get that one. Although they play the Giants in New York. I think maybe the Giants. I think maybe they can lose those division games. And they're yeah, done. They're done with the Redskins. Who's what's their schedule? It's the they had they're they are Eagles hosting the Eagles. They they think they uh, they're playing the Giants at some point. They play the Giants week seventeen in New York. They play the Colts. I think week 15 in Indianapolis, and they host Tampa Bay. That's going to be tough for them. It's like I basically – I have if no they lose, idea. They could win and lose all those games. That's yes. the NFL right now. Yeah, so the, <laughs> that one's not great. Chargers under 9.5. I'm going to lose that one. Thanks to the comeback against the Steelers. Because they are right now 9-3. and three. I remember I was going to do the char- – that was my backup. I was going to do the Chargers over – we remember we were split yep. on that. Yeah. I, I guess I I guess I pulled up back on that one yep. and I regret it. Yeah. So there that one I'm in trouble. 49ers over eight and a half. I lost when Garoppolo blew out his knee. Yeah, it's bad luck. That one's bad luck. <laughs> I took the they job. Look, they <laughs> looked like they could be it. I don't. I'd say they. They were one be, and one. I think before Garoppolo got hurt in game three. Yeah, so they, well, they they beat the Lions. I remember, but the, I think they would have been eight and eight, nine and seven. Yeah, they were feisting that Chief game I too. I don't think you would have lost the bet. I think you would have pushed or won. Yeah. I have the Giants over seven. That's that one could be coming down to the wire. I need them that to one, keep playing well. Man, <laughs> I did that one in real money. That one and the Packers, and I'm done with the Packers and the Giants. I uh, might like they would have it at the Graham Gano. Yeah. <laughs> they would have it already. They'd be at five. I mean, and yeah. I think they're gonna win. I I could see the push here. To be honest, I could see seven. Yeah, but, but and, and the last one, Dolphins under six and a half. I need them to lose the rest of the way to uh, get that the one. Dolphins have just figured out ways to win games like they're not a good team but they've just won like they've had for one they have a pretty easy schedule they get to yeah. play the bills and the jets twice and they've taken advantage of those games right they, yeah well they, they're three and against those teams right. so that's a big start big help uh, and didn't they play the raiders week one like nobody knew how bad the raiders were they played the raiders early and beat them so i think it was week one or two yeah. so like you look they've actually had a super easy schedule so like there's mm-hmm. just like unfortunate you don't realize you didn't realize how bad the Bills and Jets and Raiders were going to be. Nobody knew how bad the Raiders were going to be. I feel like their over under was like eight. Yeah, I feel like it was right in the middle. Yeah, so I so and I'm. They're at uh, what, there's what, a chance. Win? Yeah, so like I think their schedule. They play the Patriots this week. They play the Vikings. I believe they play Jacksonville and they play Buff in Buffalo in the season. So I need to lose all four of those games to get one on the board. So it could happen. They, those they're not. Uh, they could beat the Patriots. I'm, st- I'm I'm afraid of that game for every yeah. <laughs> for yeah. fantasy purposes. But so just this is basically how my year has gone on those. <laughs> yep, pretty terrible. So, so wait, you have a loss on the board. I have two losses on the two board. Two losses on the board, and you're like, and like basically I'm, you need the Dolphins to win out. I need four lose out, lose out. And I you basically need the need Giants to win three out of four for a push or win out for the win. Yes. So you're kind of almost I mean, looking at four losses unless you get lucky with the Dolphins or Giants, and then what? And then you have or the Cowboys. 
or the Cowboys? You have really one that's like looking good. The only one I think I might get is Miami. I feel like I can see Miami losing all four games. <laughs> Wasn't there one other that you were close on? The um, Cowboys. We were debating. I did not think I'd lose three of those games. There wasn't an over that you had. No, that was even close. So I, I'm 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 down two overs. The only over I left is the Giants. Did we bet twenty dollars on? Yes, this? we did. You're gonna you're gonna go at mm-hmm. hell yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I like my chances. <laughs> All right, let's go to what everybody's been waiting for. Let's go to the picks. Joe Chaffee was here last week for Team Challengers, which you are the captain of, by the way, in case you forgot. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So your team's doing pretty well. Joe Chaffee went two and one for you. He won with the Cowboys plus seven and a half last week. He had a gut feeling on that one, which proven correct. What's he, the total record for the? I'll get to that in a second. Oh, okay. This last week he was two and one, so he won with the Chargers plus three and a half. Did did not look pretty with that one for a while, oh but my God. they came back and won that game for him. And he lost with the Colts minus four, and they got shut out by in Jacksonville, but beat by Cody Kessler. So that was his loss of the week. I, on the other hand, I actually had a better week. I went, I want to say three and zero oh for the if I say the fourth time this season. Give me one second. I gotta find my magical clip Fourth here. Fourth time in thirteen weeks is pretty good. Yeah, I've been on. A, I've been on a good run of late. So it's just a matter of me. Fi- have, you, have you been turning your picks into three team parlays? <laughs> I have not done that yet. But this this is how I felt last week. Because you'd be up. Yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, three nice. three and zero. Oh, I won with the Patriots. You know, that, you know, if younger kids, they're not gonna know what that is. Yeah, that's the sad. <laughs> I, I have to educate them with this podcast. Like, kids in our class probably don't know yeah. what that is. Yeah, so Patriots. Austin Powers is old now, man. Yeah. Patriots minus five over the Vikings. Won that one. I won with the Broncos laying five in Cincinnati. And that game was a walkover because Jeff Driscoll is horrendous. And A.J. Green got hurt again. And I bet the Jets plus seven and a half points. I figured they would be in that game. And not that they would almost win that game, but I'll take the win in that. So, 3-0. Nice. On the- yeah, you knew they were going to win that game from the get-go. Or cover. I, 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 once it was ten, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got that one game. in the bag. Okay, so you're gonna cover. You didn't know. Yeah. You don't know nothing about whether the Jets are gonna win. <laughs> so on the year, Team Challengers twenty seventeen and two pushes. I am twenty one and eighteen in the standings. That is a flat footed tie. That's yeah. It's because yeah. That's literally a tie. I checked the math this morning. So now you can yeah, because the two ties are the same as I guess. I, I guess twenty wouldn't. Because 20 and 17 be a little better? Yeah, but they have the two ties, so that, that basically evens it out. All right. So well, ho- hopefully there's some more separation. Well, there's no there's no prize or anything, right? No, there's no prize here. This, so. is, this is pride right now. So. All right. So, so anyway, we're going to the well, picks this week. Matt, Matt wait, give me one second. You can take it away. Pick number one, where are you going? All right, I'm going to try and help uh, the squad get this dub here. Got Kansas City, I mean, not minus six and a half against Baltimore. Tell um, me why. <laughs> I mean, the only times Kansas City hasn't covered this year is when it's been like 14 point spreads, right? Like last week and the uh, Cardinals, right? That's the only yeah. two times they haven't covered. So I don't see a reason why Baltimore would slow them. I get that they're a good defense, but how are they going to. Nobody slows them down. So, yeah. I, that one, I'm with you on that. That was shocking to me. I saw this number. I'm like, how is this so low? The Chiefs are a very good football team. And if, yeah, and if if they bring back Joe Flacco, I mean, I don't think Lamar Jackson is really any better at running the team, but I, he at least gives you that X factor, you know, like yeah. that, like he can, you know, scramble and, and run around and gain yards for himself. But if Joe Flacco comes back, Joe Flacco led Baltimore versus Kansas City, minus yeah. six and a half. It's no brainer. All right, pick number two. Where are you going next? Uh, this game, 
division matchup. I'm going to go with the rolling Houston Texans for their 10th win in a row, minus four and a half against the Colts. Um, I forget. I think they're home, right? I forget. Yeah, they, they doesn't are. Even I really don't care. They are home. They won in Indianapolis. Get, get in the way of Houston right now and see what happens. <laughs> All right. They are on fire right now. Nine consecutive wins. I mean, they're just crushing people. And the Colts coming off that bad loss. That's a tough spot to be in. And their defense is starting to look like, remember when the Texans defense was a thing? Well, it's kind of a thing. I mean, they made Baker Mayfield look like a rookie. I know yeah. he is a rookie, but <laughs> yeah. they made him look so bad. And uh, they've been causing havoc in fantasy leagues. I went against the Texans, D, and Fairbairn. Actually, I didn't go against them, but it was for a points title. But whatever. And Fairbairn, he kicked like five field goals. Their special teams and defense is just killing it right now. All right, so that's pick number two. Where are you going with your final pick of the week? My final pick, I'm going up to Green Bay, but I'm not taking them. I'm taking Atlanta plus five and a half because – is there like how is Green Bay gonna beat a team by five and a half points when they can't beat the Cardinals straight up? I mean, in their building, no less. Yeah, in their building, they're gonna be in their building again. But uh, it's, to me, I see it. You know what's crazy? This is a rematch of the NFC Championship from two years ago, and now look at these two teams. Yeah, they're a mess. These two crazy. teams. Crazy. Like they were the by far the best NFC teams. That was such a great matchup, and and now they're just awful. But I think it'll just be a fight. Maybe Green Bay wins, but I, I'd see it like a field goal or four-point game or something. So. Yeah, that's fair. It's fine. I would have stayed away from that game because I just don't trust the Falcons. I've seen nothing from them. Their offense is just kind of a tank over the last month or so. I mean, like, that game's going to be an ugly football game. I want no part of it. So see, I, don't trust the, I don't trust the Packers. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, it's not that I trust the Falcons. I just think at worst, I think they could win the game, the Falcons, yeah. but I just think at worst that it's a close game. Yeah. All right, I'm going to my picks. Pick number one, I'm taking your football team, taking the New York Giants, getting three, laying three and a half points on the road in Washington. The, the thing here, Mark Sanchez, now the quarterback of the Washington Redskins. The, the Redskins are going down the tubes fast, and the Giants have won three of four since the bye. The important thing to note here, all three of those wins have come against backup quarterbacks. Mark Sanchez, backup quarterback. Giants are going to win this game, and they're going to get to 5-8 and eight and keep their dream of 500 alive, keep my over alive for another week. I'm praying for that, too. But uh, <laughs> I just uh, I just couldn't pull the trigger on that one because on the road, I mean. A half point? Yeah, I guess there's that. But yeah. like, I think it's more just that they're on the road. Like I guess, They just don't play well in Washington. It's just not a thing that happens very often. I mean, I guess back when they were good, but not in the last three or four years. All right, that's pick number one. Pick number two, I'm going with a home underdog. I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals plus two and a half, hosting the Detroit Lions. This is more of an indictment against the Lions. I do not think they're a good football team at all. They have blown a lot of games this year. They could have won, and I don't see them going on the road and out to the desert and that's going to be favorites. Arizona came off a win. They played pretty well last week. They're going to run the football. They'll find a way to win this game. I think they're going to win outright, and I'll take the two and a half points. An incredible upset against the Packers. I don't. I don't see it. I think the Lions will win. I mean, they're, the I, Lions are bad, but this is more of an anti-Lion pick in my defense. I feel like Arizona's gonna win that football game at home. Yeah, the Lions are bad too. It's two bad football teams. That's what. Uh, I mean, you, you you look at the Falcons and Packers the same way, but yep. <laughs> but the the Cardinals and Lions are two bad football teams. So I don't, that's why I would stay away from that game. All right, pick number two, pick number three. I think this is gonna be one of the biggest blowouts of the week. I'm taking the Saints and the eight points on the road in Tampa Bay. Tampa's won a couple in a row. Now they're 5-7. I think that's why the line isn't as big as it is. But New Orleans is going to be pissed off after a loss. Pissed off that Tampa Bay beat them week one in their building. Put up 48 points on them. So that defense is going to be embarrassing. It's going to be embarrassed and try and get back at them. And you know what? They need this game a lot more than Tampa Bay does. 
because if they need to tie the Rams to get home field in the NFC. So I think this is gonna gonna be it. I think they're gonna crush them and they're gonna win that football game going away. Yeah, I, I looked at that game and I was like all over it and I don't really know why I didn't put it in my picks. <laughs> I think for all the same reasons. I, I they lost to the one one of their two losses is to the Bucks and the other one was last week. So they've got a lot of uh, bad taste in their mouth going into that game. I think they'll smash them too. Not sure why I didn't put it on my picks. Hopefully I just go 3-0 anyway. All right, to recap the picks, Matt got the Chiefs laying 6.5 at home against Baltimore. The Texans laying 4.5 at home against the Indianapolis Colts. And the Falcons getting 5.5 in Green Bay. I have gone with the Giants laying 3.5 in Washington against the Redskins. The Cardinals getting 2.5 at home against the Detroit Lions. And the New Orleans Saints laying 8 points in Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers. Those are your picks for week 14 of Show Me the Money. Matt, I appreciate all the time you've given us today. Before you go, how do you follow you on social media and, must, and keep track of some of the stuff you're up to? Uh, you can follow me at RumacDFS, I think. <laughs> let me double check. On Twitter. But let me make sure that that's right. Um, what was your other question? And what, what, how do you track some of the stuff you're up to? It's Yeah, it's at RumacDFS. And... Uh, uh, not much right now. I mean, I've, a lot of my golf writing has simmered down because it's the off season for a couple weeks till the new year. Um, been messing around doing some schoolwork uh, and uh, working at the Fantasy Network a little bit. You know, thanks, busy. Thanks, thanks for the time, Matt. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. That was Matt Rumack with a full football rundown for you in week number 14. Up next, this week's two-minute drill, where I'll tell you why House of Cards completely blew the ending of their series right after this. Right, and we're back with this week's two-minute drill. You just heard some of the House of Cards theme song, one of the best theme songs on television, streaming television in this case on Netflix. In case you're not aware, House of Cards wrapped up its run with its sixth season that dropped back in early November. Eight episodes, abbreviated order, after Kevin Spacey was replaced due to the controversy surrounding the sexual assault allegations involving his career. And this taught me one thing. And this is a lesson we've learned before with The Sopranos, with Lost, with How I Met Your Mother. A bad ending can ruin a great show. How I Met Your Mother, perfect example of that for me. I loved that show. I used to watch that show religiously. I had all the DVDs, watch the reruns, get excited when the new ones came out. Then they destroyed the show at the ending, and I have not been tempted to go back and watch it ever since. And that's a shame. House of Cards... Same thing. They're ending absolutely atrocious. The last season was so, so bad. And let's be real here. They were in a tough spot. That show was Kevin Spacey's show. And the stuff that came out of Kevin Spacey made it untenable to bring him back. And they made the right call. They had to get rid of him. And when they announced they're going to do another season with Robin Wright as the lead and have it be focused on Claire Underwood, I was intrigued. I thought, this is interesting. We've seen it all from Frank's perspective up until this point. Claire's an interesting character. As you see what they do with her without Frank. But what they chose to do 
was really, really bad. First of all, they talk about how they had to rewrite the story because Frank Underwood was gone. I don't buy it. It felt like watching this show over these eight episodes that they basically took Frank Underwood's story, took Frank out of it, and basically put in like Doug or Mark Usher or any number of other characters in the roles that, that Frank was going to play in season six. And Frank's ghost literally haunts this whole season. The whole story is, did Frank, like, who killed Frank Underwood? Did Frank Underwood, why did he leave all of his will to Doug instead of Claire? All that stuff. And part of the problem here, they added these two new characters. We're meant to play off of Frank Underwood. Bill and Annette Shepard, siblings played by the great Greg Kinnear and Diane Lane. They were useless. They made this whole big thing about how these were the most powerful characters in the universe and everybody respected them. We'd never heard of them in five years. Frank Underwood, has told, who through Breaking the Fourth Wall, tells you everything about the show, never mentions these guys once. And all of a sudden, they're the biggest bad guys this show has ever seen? Come on now. And spoiler alert for the end of this show. Skip ahead about two minutes if you don't want to hear this. The actual ending. We have this big showdown in the Oval Office between Claire and Doug Stamper. Claire kills Doug in the Oval Office. And that's it. That's where we end this show. Literally. Doug is dead. Claire is holding a dying, a dead man with a lot of blood in the Oval Office. And early in the episode, she is about to go to nuclear war with Russia. And there is no fallout for anything. That gets un- That's unresolved. The fact that Claire is pregnant in this season is unresolved. The news story, the one that's been sitting over this show for the last three seasons that Tom Hammerschmidt gets killed for and Constance Zimmer's character Janine Sorsky is picking up, that doesn't get resolved either. At this point, they didn't even live to the premise of the show. The show is called House of Cards. We were expecting the House of Cards to collapse. It should have collapsed on Frank which we didn't get a chance to see because of Kevin Spacey's nonsense. And it should have collapsed on Claire because she was equally complicit in all the terrible things that Frank did. And what do we get? We got nothing. Claire gets away with it. And we get a very weak ending as a result. And the writers, they I don't want to hear that, oh, we left it open-ended. You want to see, what, it's up to you what happens. That's weak nonsense. You have plenty of time to know the show was ending. You could have rewritten the show so it fit properly. Instead, you left us with a bunch of nothing. And that's a waste. It's a shame because this show set a big precedent. House of Cards really defined the streaming model of dropping all your episodes at once, introduced binge viewing to the nation. And this show was great at the beginning, struggled along in the middle a little bit, had a chance to be very good this season. And they blew it by turning into zombie house of cards by having Frank Underwood's ghost basically haunt the whole season. What a waste. And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank my guest, Will Schneiderhan, for popping in to talk about the big Met trade, Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz coming over from Seattle for the five-player package headlined by Jay Bruce, Anthony Swarzak, and the prospects. I also want to thank Matt Rumack for his lengthy football discussion this week. Talk about NFL Week 13 headlines, how to win your fantasy league, and the picks. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including a look at what the Mets are going to do heading forward in the offseason, be sure to check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. 
You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes by searching for Just End the Suffering in the podcast store. You can also subscribe on Google Play by searching for Just End the Suffering in the Google Play music section. Feel free to leave your feedback and star ratings or make the show even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S. And tweet at me with the hashtag Brody's Plan if you've made it to the end of today's show. Next week, I have a good show lined up for you. We're going to talk a lot about the winter meetings coming up for baseball. Mets are very busy. Yankees have some stuff going on. Might we find out about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado? We'll talk about that. We're also going to do some NFL picks and more. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Jets fans. Thank you.